You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. But this concept of redemption is that, you know, there's this loving God who is not going to let us flounder or be taken out by the enemy if we're willing to turn to Him. And the mistakes that we make aren't the end of the story. There's always a but God. You know, I screwed up, but God... Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, here with two special guests today. First joined by Lead Pastor Jose Avaroa. Hey, guys. And also our guest from last week, Sean Stover. Sean, thanks for being here. Absolutely. You make it sound like I'm a repeat guest, like <laughs> like I won something. <laughs> hey, you. Come on down. Okay, well, uh, Jose, this is my first question for you. Uh, you gave a talk yesterday continuing the His Story series, talking about redemption and the story of Joseph. So, I always like kind of uh, prefacing everything by just asking kind of what was going through your mind as you were preparing for the message this week, and just also just as we continue the His Story series. You always ask similar questions, and I'm always waiting for that, like, he's going to trick me, he's going to trick me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this one's coming. So I should have seen this one coming because you always ask it. You know, the story of Joseph is, well, it's a personal one because we share the same name. But also, it's one that is so great to look back to when it comes to seeing how God is able to redeem and God is able to make good out of bad circumstances. And I think that some of us can at least identify one, if not more, negative circumstances that we're currently living through. And so looking as to what God's mission is, He's come to redeem us and He's come to bring good out of bad. And I've seen that. Uh, time and time again in, in my own life. And so I was excited to go through this message. Awesome. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually segueing into my second question, which took it a little more personal. I'd love to hear from from both of y'all, just this idea of uh, maybe just a story, a time where uh, maybe there was something just either you know evil that happened or just something that did not go the way you planned that God ended up working. And Jose, you shared a little bit of uh, just your own personal story with that. But were there any kind of other moments where you've thought back and said, yeah, this is definitely not ideal, but seeing God God work it out for good? Yeah, when Taylor and I started fostering, we had all of the right, um, you know, we, we wanted all of these wonderful things. We wanted ultimately to adopt, which we ended up doing. Samuel is a gift and answer to prayer. Um, but we fostered six kids before that and saw a lot of brokenness. And there were a lot of times, different times, I I think of specifically uh, the first son that we were able to foster. Things got tough really fast. And I remember thinking, man, this is a very um, negative circumstance, not anything at home, but in his, uh, in the legal case, the ugly side of, you know, foster care. And I remember people telling me, I could never do this because I could never, you know, give a child back. And, and, um, you know, ultimately that's what ended up happening. And our hearts were, 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 um, were, bro- were broken. And God taught me so much through that that, that story, um, and he really opened up my heart and Taylor's heart as well to want to foster, period, and not, you know, worry about keeping and adopting, but, but recognizing that that's a need that we could um, meet in a child's life. And, and what it mostly taught me was that um, even though this little, little one did not stay with us forever, 
um, his heavenly father went with him wherever he was going and his redeemer went with him. And so I had actually, in my mind, taken God's place in a way. I thought that we were his only hope, you know, and, and the circumstance in, that he went into was not good. Um, and so releasing that to Jesus and allowing Jesus to be in control of, of his life, um, God redeemed that in, in my mind for sure. And um, so, yeah, not a, not a positive outcome in, in, in some ways, but really a change of heart, I think, for, for me and, and hope for him. That's good. That's good. Sean, do you have any stories to come to mind? <laughs> My whole life is the story of <laughs> mistakes that God redeemed at some point. That's why I love Jose's reference to Romans 8, 28. And because, and, and Jose said it clearly yesterday, but I think it's worth restating. Not everything that happens is good. Unfortunately, right. I think people get this perception of Christianity that, well, you know, you guys think everything is good. You think everything that happens on earth is good. You, so how in the world would all these bad things happen? Well, Jose said it clearly, but it's worth re-saying. Not everything is good because we're sinful. Mm-hmm. The people around us make mistakes, and there's an enemy out to try to destroy us, rob, kill, and destroy us. And so I love the thought that even when something isn't good, it can be redeemed. And man, yeah, like I said, my my life is full of those stories. The most significant one to me is the time I stumbled myself into a bar in (laughs) Denton, Texas. And, uh, you know, I had learned a two-step country western dance because there was a girl the year before in college that wanted to take this class. And it was the only way that she would talk to me as if I would be her dance partner. And so I learned a two-step. And uh, fast forward a year, I'm in this bar, not where God wanted me. People, I tell this story and people will say to me, Christians will say, so God had a plan for you to be in that bar. Yeah, and right, I'm like, no, right, that wasn't right. God's plan. That was yeah. my sin. Yeah. But I was in there and I tapped this girl on the shoulder. She turned around and we danced and now we've been married 25 years. <laughs> God redeemed even the sin that I was living out, which he didn't want me there, but he took that opportunity to say, look, I can I can reach you anywhere. I can go anywhere with you. It, more significantly for us as a couple, Christina and I, I mean, we, we lost a child and that was incredibly painful. And again, we had well-meaning people, but they'd say, you know, God's going to use this yeah. for good. And you're like, nobody wants to hear that in the middle of a grief yeah. process. I mean, even, even when things are biblically true, there's a right time to say them and right. a right time to bring them up. And, uh, it was so painful, and Christina's hurt, and her depression, and her loss, and and mine as well. I just felt it differently than her. Um, but man, at some point, six months after the loss, she comes back and she says, "You know what? I think we're supposed to have another child." And and I said, "No, man. We've mm-hmm. we've got two. They're great. We lost the last one. Let's let's just be done. Let's not go through that pain again." But she said, "No. I think God has something, some redemption story in this." And um, so sure enough, she ended up, we got pregnant and we have, you know, an amazing kid in Cody mm-hmm. because of her boldness and her willingness to, to try again. And God, all that hurt, man, I've watched him redeem that now in the lives of so many others as Christina shares her story and comforts another verse Jose mentioned yeah. yesterday in the Second Corinthians verse where we comfort others with the comfort we first ourselves have received from God. And Christina uses that. So, yeah, on and on, man. My, I think all of our lives is a story of God redeeming our mess ups. Yeah, so 
I'd love to kind of expound more on this comforting piece because that is something, Jose, that you touched on towards the end of your message yesterday, but, and both Sean and, and your loss and just the story there, what, what does the role of redemption play when it comes to comforting and just the, even the ability to comfort others? When someone says everything happens for a reason or trust God, uh, he's going to work to just read the Bible, you know, in the middle of suffering. I think that's our attempt. And, and I, I'll be the first one to say that I've done that. I've done that, yeah. trying to say the right thing at the wrong time. Yeah. People don't want to hear the right thing. People just want to be listened to. People want to feel others' presence in the same way that God is so ever-present with us, no matter what circumstance we're living with. To your point and to answer your question, Taylor, about comfort, you know, we want to take control of the situation. We want our faith to overcome whatever circumstance we may be living. That's why I think we tout Romans 8.28 or, or whatever. But what we need to remember is that we're not the ones that are in control. God's in control. In Joseph's story, it takes many years for his redemption to take place. It's not instantaneous. Uh, think of Job also. All of his buddies, they were saying the, the, the right thing to Job, or so they thought in, in a way. They're saying, hey, you surely, all of this suffering that, that, that you're experiencing, Job, uh, surely you did something to deserve this. You know, Basically, they're trying to, to, to say the right thing and, and make sure that Job's not in danger with God and, and doesn't sin. Um, and, and I think that's just our human. We want to be in control. We want to understand why. And ultimately, only God is in control. And so uh, that's why I think comfort is, is so important because that's the one thing that we can't control. We can control what we say and how we act when we're around. And again, I'm, I'm a student in this uh, when it comes to listening. <laughs> I would much rather talk and I would much rather rationalize and, and pluck out Bible verses. Um, but it's a lot more effective when I just sit and listen. Yeah, I, I went to counseling in, in January. I've shared that story a few times, but the biggest thing that Christina and I got from that time was my inability to comfort her. Mm. And I thought I was doing the right things as a husband by trying to be optimistic and you know share the big picture. Yeah. And what I was really doing was just talking her out of what she was feeling all the time or trying to talk her out of being sad or being upset. And they taught me in counseling that, man, my role in those moments is just to sit with her in that. And like Romans says, to mourn with those who mourn and be willing to just hang out there. And I think that ties into redemption Taylor, the question you ask, because that's where our best comfort is going to come from. Our best empathy and compassion is going to come from the places that God has redeemed us, the, the parts of our story where we know we needed God and couldn't do it by ourselves, and He showed up, and He was present, or He sent somebody who was Jesus with skin on in our life. And in those places that we've experienced some healing, He will consistently put people in our path so that we can comfort them from that place we've been redeemed and, and restored. So, Yeah, yeah, that's great. One question here, um, redemption kind of is a church word. I mean, you maybe talk about it, reference it in sports every now and then or something like that, but what would you say to someone that's kind of wondering like, okay, what does this word or this concept and this truth, how does this impact my daily like practical life? Like how do I, other than just knowing the story of Joseph and knowing, you know, that I'm redeemed, how does that actually, how have you seen that impact your walk as you live as a, as a Christ follower? I think it's a, 
it's a faith builder for me, the concept of redemption, because it says that, you know, no matter what I do or where I go, there is a God who's with me. The the verse in Romans 8, 28 is, as Jose was just quoting a second ago, I looked it back up because it, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And and it's almost like, I wonder if there's a translation or a missing word in there. Which, <laughs> and we know that in all things, God eventually works for the good of those who love him because the timing, like it's it's years for, for yeah. Joseph in some instances. Um, but this concept of redemption is that, you know, there's this loving God who is not going to let us flounder or be taken out by the enemy if we're willing to turn to him. And the mistakes that we make aren't the end of the story. There's always a but God. Right. You know, I screwed up, but God. And then this next piece, and that's the beauty of our faith. And I mean, I apply it to raising my kids. I mean, I, they make mistakes. I actually want them to make mistakes while they're in my house <laughs> so that I can help them work through it and say, but there's more to the story and show them that, you know what, a mistake doesn't end our relationship. It doesn't terminate the love that I have for you. Um, and nothing could terminate the love I have for my kids in those moments uh, those redemption moments, those times where we can take this and learn something. That's really what redemption is for me. It's taking something that you can learn from and move forward in a different way. Yeah, and God does is faithful to redeem circumstances, most definitely. I think all of us can point back to times where we feel like we deserve this, God redeemed us, and then this happened. So circumstance changed. But there is one thing that's instantaneous that we can always go back to. And I, I uh, used this verse yesterday, Ephesians 1, 7, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So we have that instantaneous redemption. And so I would say to anybody that doesn't know uh, or, or is not too familiar with the word or the concept, I, that's the good news. We have instantaneous redemption in the forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus has done for us. God worked that for us then, and it's it's true now. Um, and that is instantaneous, and we can receive that. We all want to see, though, <laughs> our reality changed. We would much rather, you know, see, well, I, I you know, was poor. God, can you redeem me and, and not make me poor anymore? Or, God, I'm really struggling in this hard season. Can you redeem my situation so I'm no longer in that hard season? And that's that's the that's where comfort comes in. And I think just given your question, I would have added that yesterday. To say redemption is God's work, comfort is how we help Him do His work. So by comforting others, um, we're able to to be a part of God's redemptive work. Of course, by sharing our story, um, but but God's the only one that that in the long term can can um, can redeem. Uh, Sean, we went on, we went to the beach with the kids last week and um, graced me with some gift cards. Um, and I would also say this, you know, I did not deserve those gift cards, uh, and, but I received them. It's kind of like that free gift of grace. Uh, but I need to redeem those gift cards in order to actually reap the benefits. I need to live those out. I actually need to go out and, and take my wife on a date to, to reap the reward. And we got to live it out. And and I would say that for for... Uh, some of us, for me, big part of my life, for most part of my life, God was only in my head. I wasn't living it out. I hadn't cashed in. I hadn't, you know, lived out what 
God had already purchased, uh, which was the redemption of, of, uh, of my sins. Um, and that leads us to freedom. So um, yeah, redemption is a big word and it can be confusing, um, but I can also say it's, it's uh, free and can be instantaneous. You've, Taylor, you've grown up in the church and hearing the word. I mean, what, how would you put it into a way that, you know, your community group or somebody would really receive it if they didn't have a good understanding, maybe or a deep experience with church and the Bible? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely what y'all said. I think just the the concept of the story component is so key to this. And I think it's neat because it is such an individual ba- you know, level as far as being able to share your story. And I mean, I think about just... Uh, Jose, you mentioning Psalms uh, 107.2, just talking about like, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And I think that was one that I hadn't heard that verse in a while, but just thinking of that and and just not only from an evangelism standpoint of who am I going out and actively seeking, but just even those to encourage in my own life. And uh, I personally have not encountered uh, significant levels of loss in the way that a lot of people around me have. So I so I can't just pat them on the bat and say, oh, I've been there. Like you're going to get through it. Like I, I, I and so instead you know, what I can just do is like y'all said, the the comforting piece and then also just recognizing that there is um, just so much that God has done in my life that is whether the the external circumstances didn't necessarily dictate it, but I've definitely put myself in situations that have. And so, but it's humbling and it's kind of hard to go there because I like to, you know, if I could share stories of how I redeemed myself and as far as how I got out of something, it's easier. Uh, but sharing about just the ways that God did it and all the, the that God did in his grace, uh, it definitely, yeah, it's it's harder to to live out. I think this is an interesting time we're living in. I think that one of the questions we should be asking ourselves right now is, how is God going to redeem this mm-hmm. quarantine pandemic craziness? Because I I, I got a feeling He is. I, I think He already is. He has in my family in certain ways. And I think if people are listening, they're probably, we're all experiencing something that's not our doing. I don't think it was God's plan. I think it was... Whatever. I don't even want to get into this. How we got to <laughs> how we got to COVID nineteen, um, but I do think that God's got a redemption story in this for each yeah. person, everybody, for us as a family, for us individually, and, and looking for that, um, exploring that's worth it. I have a thought on that, Sean, because we may be looking for redemption in the wrong places. If we expect redemption on a macro level, I think we're going to be really disappointed. Mm. Yeah. But if we zoom in and start with our own hearts and then in those around us, all of a sudden I'm filled with hope mm-hmm. because we can see redemption on that level happen. And I think about this movement of the Holy Spirit since the beginning of time and then through the life of this man who walked 2,000 years ago in Nazareth, it's always been a, 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 a it's been grassroots. It hasn't been top-down. It became top-down as you study Christian history with Constantine when they became the authority figure, you know, and Christianity kind of became this institutionalized religion. That didn't work (laughs) because it's not meant to be top-down. It's meant to be, uh, it's meant to start in homes. And so that's where the hope is. I mean, we're not gonna read in the history books about how neighbors loved their neighbors. We're gonna read on the history books what, what the officials that were in power did or did not do and what hit the news cycle and all that stuff. And so I think if we focus on this community, on loving our neighbors, on uh, doing the work of you know, transformation through 
spiritual disciplines and things that we've been talking about, I think we're going to have some pretty cool stories to share as to how God's redeeming us. As you were talking yesterday, Taylor, I know you got another question, but it just struck me as you were talking about the story of Joseph. I love the path of his life and the way it's illustrated in Genesis because first he was rejected mm-hmm. by his his brothers and sold into slavery. And then he was falsely accused and thrown into prison. And then he was forgotten um, and, you know, stayed in prison. And so just those words, when I think about those three, you know, being rejected and then falsely accused, man, it's an easy parallel to Jesus, exactly yeah. what people did with Jesus while he was here on earth. And then the forgotten part, that was just a good reminder to me, man, I wow. don't want to, we don't want to be the people that forgot that Jesus was rejected and falsely accused. Yeah. God redeemed all of that so that he's our savior. Um, but we tend to forget yeah. that and yeah. go back through the cycle of rejecting yeah. him again. Yeah, you're totally right. In that verse in Genesis 50 ends, I don't have it in front of me, but something like, and God did this so that many lives would be saved. Hmm. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Yeah. God did that. He redeemed him. He resurrected him from the dead so that many lives would be saved. And that's God's end goal. He wants to save everyone. He wants everyone to know that they matter and that there is uh, a place for them in eternity um, away from all the craziness of, of life down here. Yeah, no, and that really does tie in uh, to the next question. Just talking about this idea of of remembering and living in our redemption, both practically and just even just personally. What do y'all think are some of the biggest kind of threats or distractions that kind of try to pull us away from that? So this idea, what what prevents us from remembering and living in our redemption? I think you said a second ago a point that's important, and that is that you know, the verse, I think it's the psalmist, let the redeemed of the Lord say so or tell their story. Or there was, was there an old worship song or hymn that had something around that? Not, I know not, I'm the not. only one that would remember that. <laughs> I know, sorry. Let the redeemed, you said it, not me. Yeah, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I think that shame and guilt prevent us from owning our story and uh, the past that we have that we were redeemed from. And I think that can be one of the biggest detractors. And, and, and just, we look, we're okay. God's okay with the fact that we messed up and we yeah. can tell that part of our story because that's what tells the real story of God's redemption. Mm-hmm. But we hide from that. We're ashamed of that. And so when the world, the lost world maybe looks at us, a person in the world, they're like, well, they already have it all together. And so we miss out on a chance and the power of the redemption story because we're ashamed. Um and the people that, if we really think about it, that we enjoy being around are the ones that are just authentic. And they're like, man, yeah. I was a screw-up. Still am a screw-up, but God keeps coming back for me. But I think there's probably lots of other things that are distracting us as well. Yeah, I mean, with with that, I would say what I said earlier, and that is my need to take control of my own life versus God's. And me trying to redeem, you kind of said it, Taylor, you know, like, I I want to redeem my situation. So, I'm going to work my way out of this. Well, you can only do so much. um, But if you don't let God um, be the redeemer, it's going to be a long uphill battle that's going to end up in disappointment. And and I've I've fallen on some of those hills um, myself. So, I think those those are some of the distractors. 
Yeah, so I think it's still worth each though, even though each series or each sermon in this series has kind of had its own standalone theme, it's neat to kind of think about how God's faithfulness truly is woven into each one of these. So just kind of recapping what uh, we've been through so far, talked about creation, the fall, Sean last week spoke on the promise, and then this week, redemption. So I think just each week, I'd love to kind of hear maybe just something either new or just something that kind of has resonated with you, maybe about just one from of those four uh, messages. Is there something maybe that you've kind of thought about as you've lived over the last few weeks and just kind of whether it's based on the times we're in as well as just daily life? What is maybe something, a concept or something that has really kind of resonated with you about either one of those topics? Yeah, I could I could probably just camp out on the first message for as long as we we needed to. The the idea that we're created in the image of God and that we were all created in his image and we reflect a facet of his image and that there is nobody greater, there is nobody lesser and that when God looks at me, he sees uh man, somehow he sees me through this Jesus lens, and he sees something that's lovable and redeemable. And I mean, I'm still trying to just continually see everybody around me, particularly the people that frustrate me or that I don't agree with through that lens. Um, I would love to be able to see the way God sees. Uh, Won't ever get there, but I want to keep asking myself the question, see if I can. I love what you said last week, Sean, when speaking on blessing, especially the generational blessings and how God wants to bless future generations. If I spend a lot of time thinking about that, <laughs> it'll, it'll, you know, takes you away from our instant gratification, culture of instant gratification mm-hmm. to, okay, what's really important? What's, what's really, what is God really up to? Um, with me, with my life, and what does he want to do for my kids, my kids' kids? And again, if I look at what everything that's going on, I'm not too excited about my kids' um, lives or my grandkids or great-grandkids. But if I look at what God is doing, again, in the micro, and if I start counting his blessings in my life— and I concentrate on passing those on to them and mm-hmm. tell them of who God is. And that's, that's where I see, that's where I see the hope. So I have seen my kids um, a little differently. It probably helped that we were away a few days and, and I was able to really just focus in on them. Turns out they're pretty cool kids. They're pretty awesome. I love my kids and that's enough of that. Well, they do have half of your wife's DNA going for them. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. I, back in the day, long, long ago, when we used to sing, let the redeemed of the Lord say <laughs> so before y'all were out of diapers, probably. <laughs> um, Christina and I made this decision that, yeah, we didn't want to spend money on stuff. We mm-hmm. wanted to spend it on experiences. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we completely knew why, but I think this generational thing has something to do with it. The thought that our kids are going to remember the experiences more than the stuff, and their kids then will they'll that'll influence how they raise their kids and the experiences they want to give them. And I think that's what's scary to us about the world right now is like what kind of experiences are they going to have, and how do we create environments for them that allow them to experience what we want them to, but still be exposed to yeah. what's going on in the world and know how to respond lovingly as Jesus to the world and, and be an ambassador for Jesus in the world. 
Um, but it's cool that you guys, because you created an experience mm-hmm. last week where you guys did multi-generational experience at the beach. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think for me, I'll tag in here. Uh, I was worried... We'd all pick maybe the same one. But for me, uh, thinking back to Bob's talk on the fall and just a, a story I've heard like just all my life growing up and uh, in the church, and yet just this concept about how everything that Satan tried to tell or everything that Satan told Eve and Adam as he was tempting them uh, was itself on paper true as far as like, if you eat this, you will. And and it was just fascinating to me because I think I never really like grasped that. And so just the way that Bob broke that down and just thinking about how crafty and and I think the, the takeaway I got from that just both personally as well as through the message was just the need to know truth. And like, you know, we, we in Christian circles, you say things and they're from whether it's a bumper sticker or an Instagram post or, you know, something. And it's easy to think, oh, that I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. But I just, I think it just was something that it was a really good reminder that Satan is crafty and he is uh, on the attack and he is intentionally trying to take something that may be true or may sound super true, but just twist it in a way that gets a completely different outcome. So whether that's about, you know, who I see myself as in Christ or the way that I interpret the way other people think me think about me and just, I don't know, it's just, it was just something that was a really good, good mm-hmm. reminder for me. Uh, as we wrap up this episode of the Conversations Podcast, Jose, what are some of the kind of parting uh, things you want to leave us with as far as talking about redemption. We haven't talked about this too much, but we started talking about these stones. Then we haven't gotten to that part of the story yet also, so I can see how it's out of context, but it's that like preview you see before an episode, and you're like, when am I ever going to see that scene? Not yet. But Joshua, bringing, his pe- bringing the people of God into this promised land, um, is told by God to bring these stones out from the Jordan River as a memorial to for, for the kids to remember. So the parents and grandparents can say, hey, God brought our people out from slavery and he redeemed them, brought them into this amazing land. Um, and so it was, they're, they're, it's a memorial. It's, it's memorial stones, remembrance, uh, a, a way to remember. Okay, what am I talking about? I'm saying this, remember what God is up to and write it down and ask yourself, okay, he created me in his image. Write that, write down ways that you may feel insecure uh, and allow God to speak his truth to those. I love what you said about truth. You know, maybe what are some things that the enemy is speaking to us and and combat those with the sword of the spirit and what the Bible says and look to uh, all of the ways that God has blessed you and talk to your kids about it or your neighbors or whoever and just, you know, add positivity in, in this crazy world of negativity and then allow God to be your redeemer and um, trust that he is working all things for good despite our negative circumstances. So I guess an action step summarized would be, I don't know if you're into journaling, but journaling should be a thing that we, that we do. Um, so I just had that to share. All right, hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations Podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.